It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. And I'm Stacey Trisankos. Welcome to episode 46 of the Stacey and Stacey podcast. It's November 14th, Monday of the 33rd week in Ordinary Time. We're heading to Advent. Yes. So today we are going to talk about um, the scripture revelation in the reading today. And Stacey will start us off with a reminder to get coffee. And, or a and cup of tea. <laughs> cup of tea. And we're, we're recording face-to-face today, so yes. this is really good. Um, it, we're not in our closets in our pajamas at our homes doing it over the internet. Well, we're together. Yay, yay. It's more fun because yes. we can see each other. Yes. Um, and then the catechism lesson for today is on the Old Testament. And we will get to that after Stacy does prayer and scripture. Okay, well, let's get started. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that, um, we thank you that you're always with us, that you hear us. We thank you that you never leave us or abandon us. We ask that you open the eyes of our understanding that we might comprehend the scriptures and give us eyes to see you and ears to hear what you would have to say to us today. We pray that the inner secrets of your words be laid open to us when we knock so that we can grow closer to you, Lord. That's what we want. We want to be so close to you. Mother Mary, Mother Mary please pray for us. In the name yes. of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And we're sitting together in a little room in a little cabin, looking over a little pond in a Maine. Big pond. A big pond. A big pond. In Maine. And so there's a thunderstorm. And if you hear the rain, just pretend you're sitting in a little cabin looking out at mountains oh, and a lake. Yes. In it's a beautiful. cabin in Maine. It's beautiful. <laughs> okay. So, yes, yes. Like Stacy said a minute ago, grab your tea or a cup of coffee, grab your Bible, and spend some time with the Lord today. So today we're going to be reading the reading, and it is from Revelation, the first chapter. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants what must happen soon. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who gives witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ by reporting what he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud, and blessed are those who listen to this prophetic message and heed what is written in it, for the appointed time is near. John, to the seven churches in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne. I heard the Lord saying to me, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write this. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks in the midst of the seven gold lampstands says this. I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate the wicked. You have tested those who call themselves apostles, but are not and discovered that they are impostors. Moreover, you have endurance and have suffered for my name, and you have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have lost the love you had at first. Mm. Realize how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works that you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. 
Okay. Now, for most people, including me, Revelation is one of the hardest books in the Bible to understand. However, when I read this, it reminded me of what we've been talking about and even what we talked about on Friday. So when addressing the church of Ephesus, I love how Jesus first applauds them for what they've been doing right. He, he encourages them in what they've been doing right. And then he lets them know what he has against him. So he lets them know this is what we need to work on, guys. So what were they doing right? It says, I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate the wicked. You have tested those who call themselves apostles, but are not. And you discovered that they were imposters. Mm -hmm. And most of all, you have endurance and have suffered for my name and you have not grown weary. So they worked hard. They had endurance to keep working and not tolerate wicked. They made sure that those who were not teaching sound doctrine were revealed and called out. But he says, most of all, they had endurance and they suffered for his name and they had not grown weary. And that word weary that word weary jumped out at me. And maybe it's because I've been battle weary many, many, many times. Weary. I've been battle weary many times. But it reminds me that we're not to grow weary in doing what is right. For it says in the word that we will reap a harvest in time, in God's perfect timing, if we trust him and we don't give up. So if we don't stop short of the finish line, I mean, how many races have been lost because people just stop short? Mm -hmm. they, they, they stop that last mile. They don't cross that finish line. In the Old Testament, there's a story where the Israelites are fighting a battle. They're fighting against Amalek. And Moses holds his arms up. And when he holds his arms up, they win. And when he drops his <laughs> arms because they become weary, he gets tired. I mean, try to hold your arms up. My goodness, I can hold them, only hold them up for so long. And then I just, they get heavy. The battle gets heavy for us. Fighting is hard work, whether it's in the natural or whether we're physically fighting or spiritually fighting or mentally fighting or emotionally fighting. Battle is hard. So our hands, our arms get heavy. That's what happened with Moses. There's a battle going on and his arms got heavy. So his brother, Aaron, and his friend, her, every woman needs a her to, <laughs> to hold up her arms and help her when the battle's raging. But one of them got on either side of Moses, her on one side and Aaron on the other. And they held Moses's arms up and Joshua and the Israelite army defeated Amalek. Now, Moses didn't have the endurance to get across the finish line on his own because he grew bad. He grew weary, weary. That's kind of a fun word to say <laughs> in battle. And I just think it's great that somebody came along and noticed that, recognized that he was struggling, recognized that, oh, my goodness, my I see Moses is getting battle weary. I mean, I have. I pray that if I get battle weary, somebody will I hold your arms up. Yes, Stacy. <laughs> Look very closely at me. And, and if I start getting battle weary, grab my arms. Hold your arms up. <laughs> because we need to do that. We need to help each other. Sometimes we have to be willing to help others. And then sometimes when we, when we need help, we need to humble ourselves and receive that because um, we, we need to help each other. Okay. So another thing to think about is that Moses wasn't actually on the battlefield, right? He was above them on the mountain looking down or maybe a little hill, but he was looking down at the battle. He wasn't the actual warrior on the battlefield. Sometimes our battles 
affect those around us more than we realize. You know, I guess it's because we flew to Bangor, Maine, Mm -hmm. but it just reminds me that we have to put the oxygen mask on ourselves before we can help others. We have to stay connected. That's what they tell you to do. That's what they tell you to do on the plane. And we have to help. We have to make sure that we are strengthened and that our relationship with the Lord is strengthened so that we can be that her for someone. Okay. So what did they do wrong? This is what the Lord says. Yet I hold this against you. You have lost the love that you first had. Mm. When we're feeling weary, we might need to do a heart check. I mean, have you ever been on a treadmill and you're running as fast as you can and then you realize, man, I'm just not making any ground at all. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) First and foremost, we have to love the Lord with everything that we are. And then I'm reminded in scripture where many will say to the Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did many deeds in your name, but he didn't know them. Sometimes doing good things aren't always doing God things. What has God asked of you? What do you feel like the Lord is asking you to do? Seek him first, lean on him, trust in him, and then he will direct your steps. Okay. Also, I just think, you know, when we we first start out following God, we get so excited. It's new and we get so excited, but then we get comfortable and we fall into a routine and we start going through the motions and we get desensitized. Mm-hmm. We're not to forget what drew us to God, why we loved him so much from the very beginning. And sometimes we need to stir up our faith. We can do this by remembering all the wonderful things that he's done for us. We can do this by uh, having a grateful heart, praising him and thanking him for all that he's done. We can do this by reading the scriptures, going to mass, just praying and asking him to show us what our next step is. Okay. He goes on to say, realize how far you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Realizing. Sometimes I have to ask God if there's anything that I've missed. Did you tell me to do something? And then I walked away Mm -hmm. from the mirror of the word, like we talked about on Friday and forgot what you had convicted me of. Well, God is merciful. Say you're sorry. Repent. That's what he tells us to do. Repent. Go to confession and then start doing the do. Like Mother Mary says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's right. Yes. And I mean, sometimes I think what I'm doing, I mean, if we're truly doing what's good, then we're doing God's will. But sometimes we think we're doing what's good. Yeah. But it's not really. (laughs) (laughs) It's bad. It's not really what God wants us to do. And I I struggle with that so much because there are times I'm like, things keep happening that are bad. And I'm like, God, I work for you. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Everything I do is for you. Why do these bad things keep happening? And And so sometimes God's saying to me, maybe you're an actor on somebody else's stage. Maybe I'm using you in somebody else's story right now and you can't see the whole thing playing out in everybody else's life, but I am using you for good. That's so good. And we need to trust God and we need to do what he has asked us to do. And sometimes I'm thinking, well, I wish you would write it down so I would know then. But a priest told me one time, Stacy, that's usually when it's right in front of your face. He has put it right in front of you and you're not paying attention because mm. you're trying to push it out of the way. And, and many times what that's meant for me is stop worrying about working for God and love your people. Just yeah. put more time into your children and your husband 
and your family and your yourself, your your own mm-hmm. faith life, stop trying to work as a Catholic and be Catholic. Right, right. And I've many times there has been an angst inside me because because I'm trying so hard, but I'm trying to put a square peg into a round hole mm-hmm. because I'm not listening. And I and it, and it's kind it's innocent mostly because I'm I'm trying so hard. I'm just anxious like that. I'm determined. I'm trying so hard. But and also, I mean, I think sometimes that you know it's it's about timing. Like it's it's a good thing, and it may be a god ti- god thing, but it may not be God's timing. Like mm-hmm. we may not be supposed we may not supposed to be doing it right then. Right. So we just have to cover everything in prayer. Yes. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, God, we're going to do this. Remember, we're going to do this. I'm ready. I'm going. Like, yeah, come yeah, on, yeah. God, you're not you're not following. Me. Yes. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and and uh-huh. it sounds so that's goofy happened. to say it out loud, but yes. that's exactly what. I do like God. We were, we had a plan. Remember? That's right. That's right. I remember one time telling the Lord I wanted to lead a women's uh, Bible study, and I he just kept saying no, 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 not now, not now. And I told him, I said, I'm about to go to Russia and adopt these little girls, and when I bring them home, I'm not going to be able to do this. It's now or never, Lord. And you know what? As soon as I got home with those girls, he said, "Okay, now." Yeah. I'm like, what? But it was the best one ever. It was so good. It was because it was his timing. Yes. <laughs> There are so many, and I tell younger people this all the time. I had to get to my 50s, for me anyway, so maybe you're not as stubborn as I am. I had to get to my 50s to realize that that's happening, that there are so many examples in my life where things worked out when I let go and stopped trying to be in control of everything and just let things happen organically, you might say, or with God's timing, and just let things play out the right way. And that's been invaluable advice to my daughters who are who are grown when they're really stressed out and things aren't going right, it doesn't seem good and they feel like failures as a mother. I'm like, no, maybe that's God telling you just to let go and let it play out. There's stuff God's working in other people's hearts too. Let it, even it might, even if it's your husband or your children, God's working in their hearts too. So let it play out. Let God do his work. Yeah. Um, do what you're supposed to do. Don't be negligent in your responsibilities. But don't freak out if things aren't going the way you think they need to. You're not a failure. It just means there's stuff going on in other people's lives. And uh, that that's really hard yeah. for young people, I think, or it was hard for young Stacy to, to get my head around. And I made a lot of messes. It's the so that's. The so that's. <laughs> and the butts. And the butt gods. <laughs> the butt gods. <laughs> yes. Well, for our... Um, Catechism lesson today. We are in part four of article. So it's, let me back up. I like to go through the whole thing. We're in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, part one, the profession of faith, section one, I believe, in, um, I just lost my place even, but part four of man's response to God. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of hierarchy in the catechism. No surprise because Catholics like hierarchy. And I may not have got it completely right. We're on page 34. If you go to the link that we have on our um, show notes, it'll open you up to the ebook of the catechism for free from the USCCB on page 34, numbers 120 through, where are we going today? 120 through 123. So this section on the canon of scripture opens up uh, about talking about the Bible, what scripture is. And there's just one little number, 120, 
on the books of the Bible and it lists the books of the Bible. And if you want to memorize the books of the Bible, go to 120 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church and it will list them all right there for you. Uh, and it's it's pretty neat because um, I'm not going to read them all, but it's got the Old Testament and it looks like a paragraph. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, all the way through. I used to say Malachi when I was a kid, <laughs> Malachi. And then the New Testament, the Gospels according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Acts, all the way through Jude and Revelation, the Apocalypse. So we do you have the books of the Bible memorized, Stacey? Mm, no, no. I do not. I used to. I don't. I do not either. I think when I was a little girl, I did, and I can go all the way through First and Second Chronicles. I can find books in the Bible, mm-hmm. though. Like I know what's what's next to each other. But if I was just to say them to you one after the other, I'd probably no. stumble. We could probably do it if we worked on it, yeah. an afternoon or something. But here's the benefit of having had as Baptist. Okay, uh-huh. so the Baptist made me do this: memorize the books of the Bible uh-huh. as a kid. It has made a difference in my life as an adult, uh-huh. and I have been kind of shocked as a as a convert that I've met a lot of Catholic adults who don't know their way around the Bible. They don't. They don't know if you if you blurt out a book, I can tell you if it's in the Old Testament right, or the New I Testament. I know that. Yes. And that's because as a kid, the Baptist made me memorize the books of the Bible, just like I had to memorize the bones in the body. <laughs> and um, although I can't remember them in order completely, I think I could if I had about an hour. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And more importantly, I do know my way around the Bible. If you hand me a Bible and say, look up Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 2. Yeah, verse, you know, that's whatever. the first of the Old Testament. I know about where to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can find it. And and uh, and I've met Catholic adults who don't know, not criticizing. I'm just saying mm-hmm. I am very personally very grateful that I had to memorize that. Yeah. So parents, I think it's worth having your kids memorize the books of the Bible, just in case you wondered what we thought yes. about that. Yes. Okay. The next part goes into the Old Testament. I don't usually do two parts, but that first part was just an introduction. It's literally just telling you what the Bible is. Um, It was by the apostolic tradition and the church. So we talked about that already. Which writings are to be included in the list of sacred books? So the the Bible does come from the Catholic Church. Yes. Yes. The complete list is called the canon of Scripture. There were people that disagreed with what should be in it later on, but the Catholic Church first defined what um, books, sacred books, go in the canon of Scripture. It includes 46 books for the Old Testament, 45 if you count Jeremiah and Lamentations as one, and 27 for the New. So that's useful to know. 46 for the Old, 27 for the New. And you don't get to add new ones to it on your own. The Old Testament then, I'm just going to cover that for the rest of today. Section 121. The Old Testament is an indispensable part of sacred scripture. And they capitalize those words, just in case you wonder. Capitalize sacred scripture. Its books are divinely inspired and retain a permanent value for the Old Testament. And of course, that comes from which encyclical, Stacey? De Bourbon. De Bourbon. <laughs> the Word of God. The Word of God. And um, for the Old Covenant, has never been revoked. Okay, the old covenant has never been revoked. The Old Testament still applies to Catholics today. It we like we were saying, we read it in light of the new. So it doesn't mean you need to go out and slaughter animals on altars or anything like that. But we still do have a bloodless sacrifice. And that is the mass when we we go to mass. So we're still following the old covenant in light of Christ in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. But 
there's still a lot um, that we that we can pull from the Old Testament. One twenty one says, indeed, the economy of the Old Testament was deliberately so oriented that it should prepare for and declare in prophecy the coming of Christ, Redeemer of all men. There are so many prophecies in the Old Testament that came that Christ fulfilled. And like when you read them, you're like, oh yeah, the Old Testament's talking about this and Christ did that. What you got to understand is that was written long before Christ ever came. He literally fulfilled the prophecies. And I don't remember the number of them, but there's over a thousand prophecies that have been listed. That would be so cool to go back. And you were talking about that the other day, go back and and look at all of them. And study. Study. I, I would personally like to do a study and just learn them all, you know, like memorize them only so I can forget them, but I'll have gained knowledge (laughs) of them. (laughs) It helps to put it in your head. Um, Even though they contain matters imperfect and provisional. So provisional just means like if you're going on a hike, you pack a lunch, it's provisions to get you through the hike. Even though the Old Testament has things that were provisional to get people through salvation history of their time, the books of the Old Testament bear witness to the whole divine pedagogy of God's saving love. Now we had to look up states. I'm like, and, and I'm reading that and saying what I'm going to talk about, the pedagogy, 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 pedagogy of God's love. And Stacy's like, what does that mean? And I'm like, oh, you don't know? And she's like, no. And I'm like, oh, me neither. I better look it up. It's, it's something to do with teaching. I knew that, but it is, it's the way of teaching. It's the method of teaching, how we teach. So you can, so if you already know, that's great. But if you're like us, now, you know, <laughs> but but it's saying there, the books of the Old Testament bear witness to the whole divine pedagogy of God's saving love. So the teaching method of God's saving love, what that means is when you look at the Old Testament and you look at the New Testament and you see how they fit together, mm-hmm. you get the method of teaching that God is giving us through the Bible. He's teaching us a whole, a unified Mm-hmm. As much hierarchy as there is in the church, as much delineations and distinctions, it all fits together. Yeah. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. And and until until I was Catholic, I didn't even know there were there was a jigsaw puzzle. I didn't know there were pieces that fit together. And like the Catholic life for me now is learning all these pieces. Mm-hmm. And every time I learn something new, I also learn how it fits into everything else I've learned. Yeah, yeah. And even if you just learn a little bit, that'll be something. But you can spend your whole life diving into teachings and mysteries and history. And Mm -hmm. there's so much. There's more than any of us will learn in a lifetime. So um, dive in. Dive into the mystery. They are a storehouse of sublime teaching on God and of sound wisdom on human life. So it's to help us live our lives better, as well as a wonderful treasury of prayers. Yes, yes, I say all the time. There's so many prayers in the Old Testament, like especially in Psalms, that you can just pray. Oh, I love it. And see, you're you're affirmed there. That that's that's it. I mean, the Catechism tells us that. Yeah. In them too, the mystery of our salvation is present in a hidden way. So sometimes people get, I well, me, I'll say me, get confused about talking about mystery. This was a, a really, there, there's one more section we're going to read in just a minute, but I want to say something first. That whole idea of a mystery was bothering to me as an, a new Catholic. Whenever I heard someone say, 
literally in a class I took on the Holy Trinity. Here I am. I paid my tuition. I'm signed up in a course. I'm taking it on the Holy Trinity. The very last thing the professor said was, after he taught us, we had to read St. Thomas Aquinas. We had to memorize scripture where the where it's proof of the Holy Trinity, where Christ taught us God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, how we know God is three persons, one divine essence. At the end of that class, the professor goes, and that's as far as we can go. And I'm like, but... But I, but I don't, I still don't understand all of it. I still don't comprehend everything. I thought I was going to know everything about God in this class. And he's like, and that's as far as we could go. I was like, no, it's like the movie, the Netflix series that never ends. And that was a huge thing for me to learn this idea of mystery. We will never fully, we cannot fully comprehend who God is. We can know that God exists. And we can know about who he is because Christ told us. Like we could have sat around scratching our heads all our life and we never would have said, oh, I, I, I figured it out. God is triune. He's God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. No, we never would have figured that out. Yeah. God, Christ had to come tell us. Mm-hmm. And even when he does tell us, we can never fully understand it. So you can never fully comprehend God. It says so, we only see in part. In part. Mm-hmm. We will. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I'm like, come on, God, we had these plans. Remember, I have to remember, like, I'm breaking a fundamental rule of being Catholic. I'm not leaving room for mystery in my life. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not going to know everything either. And come to think of it as a chemist, that's the main thing I learned as a chemist, too. Our knowledge is dwarfed by our ignorance. <laughs> we know so little about how the world works and, and we're just feeble little humans trying, which is actually a beautiful thing because life is exciting because it would be boring if we just knew everything. So there, there is a mystery of our salvation present in a hidden way. We, we are going to be walking through this journey, not knowing everything that's going on in everybody else's lives, not knowing everything God has planned for us. We have to trust divine providence. The last part, 123, Christians venerate the Old Testament as the true word of God. The church has always vigorously opposed the idea of rejecting the Old Testament under the pretext that the new has rendered it void. Here's another Catholic word. So pedagogy was one. That means method of teaching. But here's another big Catholic word, Marcionism. And and I did not know what that meant either. Marcionism is named after a guy in 144 AD, Marcion of Sinope, S-I-N-O-P-E. And he taught a lot of things wrong, but one thing he taught wrong and that was rejected by even the early church is that the entire Old Testament, along with other epistles and gospels of what would would become the 27-book New Testament canon, he rejected it. Okay, so he like basically 100 years later after Christ said, I'm going to write my own Bible. And he rejected everything in the New Testament saying that the, I mean, he rejected everything in the Old Testament saying everything in the New Testament rendered it void. That is not what the church teaches. That is not what the church teaches. And you've got, it's like the history of our faith. You've got to understand the Old Testament to be able to understand the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you don't understand the Old Testament, you're not going to understand the the New Testament. You're not going to understand St. Paul's moral teaching or the Gospels about the story of Christ or even Revelation. So have fun swimming around in the ocean of truth. You're never going to see it all. (laughs) 
Yeah, for people like you and I, Stacey, who are learners, yes. that's exciting because there's so much to learn. We will never grow bored because we have so much to learn. And I love it. I love going through all of this. Well, we are just coming off of a trip. Uh, we're we're in Maine. We're coming off of the trip. We'll be back tomorrow and um, do a little recap of um, our trip up to Maine and the the Merry Christmas talk that we gave at the Advent by Candlelight yes. last Saturday night. Yes. Have a great Monday. And this is Stacy Farquharson. And this is Stacy Trusankos. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information. <laughs>